Welcome to the podcast. I'm Corey. I'm Jen. I'm Ginny. And we are the Art History Babes. Natalie's not with us today um, because she is on vacation up north. In the mountains. But she is sorely missed. Um, So Nat, we love you and hope you're having a good time. Uh, Today we are talking about the Bacchanal. Um, And in good fashion, we are having our own... (laughs) Personal July 4th Bacchanalian celebration. Bacchanalia. <laughs> Just disclaimer. Um, yeah. So um, this episode's getting a little silly because we're already significantly intoxicated at we, the moment. We've been in the pool. We've been in the sun. We are ready to record. <laughs> Bacchus is here. We've called him and he is here. We us. were literally outside and we were saying, Bacchus! <laughs> Just in the middle of the pool, just crying out, Bacchus! Bacchus! Where are you? Yep. He's he's here. He's been invoked, and we're we're ready. We're guys. ready for it. Um. So before we before we get started, what's everyone been up to? What's going on in everyone's lives? Hmm. Uh, let's start with you, Corey. You've had some adventures. I've done so much museuming in the past like forty eight hours. It's been ridiculous. Um was just in San Diego and went to the, uh, I think it's the San Diego Museum of Art, I believe. Is. Museum of Man. Well, I did that too, wow. but I went to I went to both. Um, but I went to the San Diego Museum of Art, which was dope, but they were also, their modern wing was under construction, so that was kind of a bummer for me. Um, but they had this really sick exhibit on quilts. And like, mm. and I like the, the, the craft element, but what was cool, like what was really cool about it is it really got into, um, how quilting relates to color theory mm. and how like involved color theory and like Joseph Albers is in quilting oh. and like how quilts were made with certain colors to create certain like effects, like optical effects. Sure. So it was just really interesting. It was really just visually stimulating. That was cool. Then, also in San Diego, in, um, what's the name of the park? Balboa. Balboa, yep, Balboa Park. Um, I also went to the Museum of Man, where they had a exhibit on cannibalism. Yes. Which was so cool, like, so cool. It was super interesting, and it, like, engaged in, like, a lot of pop culture references, and it also... It kind of took this post-colonial approach to cannibalism Mm. and the whole like mentality like for so many years like referring to a certain group of people as cannibals was kind of similar to the whole savage Mm -hmm. mentality like Mm -hmm. they are savages Mm -hmm. and the whole exhibit was great. It was so great about like but you should stop and think about this and be like, if you were in this situation, <laughs> would you eat human flesh? Yes. Oh. <laughs> I don't even know what the situation is, but yes. Um, and that was really interesting, and I was really excited that they were doing that because I thought that was really cool. Um, they also, my favorite part of the whole exhibit, they did, um, they they created a version of the Oregon Trail, the game we all played in elementary school. Yeah. Yes. Um, they it's like same aesthetically the same, visually the same. Yes. The way you play it's the same, <laughs> except it was called the Donner Trail. Oh, <laughs> that makes wow. a lot of sense. I was gonna say like the Donners. Yeah. Like, if I had been in that, for yeah. sure. Yeah. In this case, you don't die flesh. of dysentery. You die of being eaten. <laughs> Yeah, and it got dark, but at the same time, not really. It was just like, I was just playing my game, and I was like, I got a decision to make. I just have to make this decision. Um, So it was really, it was a really well put together exhibit. It was super interesting, and it just like explored cannibalism in all these different areas of human history, and it was just really fun and really interesting. So if you're in the San Diego area, check that out. Um, And then the next day... I got to go to LACMA in L.A., um, L.A. County Museum of Art. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, and they have a great Snapchat, by the way. You should follow Ooh, them. Ooh, I should follow mm-hmm. them. I did not know that. It's on point. I should check that yeah. out. But um, So I spent the day at LACMA. Some really great stuff. They had like a German Expressionism exhibit. And then like a life-changing James Terrell um, called Breathing Light where you, like, 
walk into this room and it's kind of exactly like um like uh drake's hotline bling video (laughs) um like actually the girl sitting next to me was like i feel like i'm in drake's video right now and i was like word um (laughs) but it's way more disorienting and just like it's weird there's like when you first walk in there's like this sense of almost like fog but there isn't any fog it's all like light tricks and then you like move to like the edge like this precipice like it's literally a precipice because you could fall off the edge and then you just stare you just stare into this light that like gradually changes colors and it's like looking into the infinite abyss it sounds like it would give me flashbacks (laughs) it's pretty trippy start having a real dark time in there yeah I I mean it wasn't dark it was for me it was the opposite of dark it was like oh my god like I just want to walk yeah I want to walk (laughs) into the light um don't walk into the light but it could be overwhelming if you were on some type of psychedelic for sure so so don't go (laughs) on psychedelics probably not probably not unless you're in a really good headspace then yeah. maybe it could or, be okay or do it and let us know how it goes yeah, yeah let us know but I definitely had a moment like I took off my glasses which any of you who know me I'm like crazy blind and like but it's like the cool thing about being crazy blind is lights get crazy real, blind they get really <laughs> I'm not actually blind I shouldn't say that but like I'm I I can't see anything it's all just like blurred color um but the cool thing about having really bad vision is when you take off your glasses and stare into lights, it gets real weird. Um, so, yeah, it was just all around real weird. You actually have to take off your shoes and put on these, like, socks. Like, Whoa. <laughs> wow. That just got, like, even more <laughs> esoteric. Like, it's, like, a whole experience, but it was amazing. And I came out, and I was, like, warm and tingly. It Whoa. was so cool. So cool. Well, um, Corey, it sounds like you had a fucking badass time. <laughs> it so. has been a good few days. It really has. Um, yeah, good few days for sure. Um, Damn. But yeah, some good art experiences. Um, but now we're back and we're having we're having our own little personal bacchanal, which is pretty. It's fitting. It it's, is. Fitting. It's a holiday weekend. You know the the birth of our nation. <laughs> Our great nation, <laughs> indivisible, <laughs> under God, or I don't even know the rest. I honestly don't. And he totally he did a good it. job. That was great. <laughs> you know the great thing about um, the great thing about this weekend, the great thing about being able to partake in our own personal bacchanalia mm. is the fact that okay, so Corey's been having an amazing time just traveling and having a ball. Ginny and I have been working our asses off at our respective jobs. Uh, Those of you who may not be in the know, which is probably most of you. (laughs) um, So Ginny is doing a super interesting, awesome um, internship in San Francisco. And it is a... um, it's it's a full time gig, right? It is. It's it a is full-time a full time gig. gig. <laughs> so Ginny is is running museums. It has been busy. I mean, we were doing our grad school thing, and then that was done. And it was like boom. And then you went straight to work. Yeah. Yeah, and I identify with that. I'm doing I know the you do. same damn thing. Yep. Only I'm not running museums. I'm making sure that food and <laughs> produce and all kinds of like food products are not. Covered in poison. That's so important, though. Yeah, that's you know, so important. It's real weird um, when you graduate with a bachelor's degree in art history. Sometimes <laughs> you, options be limited. Sometimes there's not a lot of work out there for you, so you end up taking a job as a chemist at a tox. Was it to- toxicology? Why am I asking? Why am I asking you? A toxicology lab. I work at a lab where we check to see how poisonous your food is rest well, assured it's really not that poisonous all right let's let's bring it back yeah let's we should let's get on topic so yes. so you know we're bringing it back and and uh, today's topic is bacchanals bacchus liked to show up he liked to show up to regular joes and and he would temporarily release them from the trappings of everyday life. So Bacchus just shows up 
you're out in the fields <laughs> tilling the, the wheat, and suddenly there's Bacchus, and Bacchus typically would show up with a bro from um, the mythological world. Oh, like, and, a, like a sat Like his s- little... Satyr. Yeah, 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 satyrs. yeah, yeah. And, and Bacchus would show up with, with his friend. I actually, like, just quick, I looked up the actual definition of... of is it of a satyr? Satyr or satyr? I think it's satyr. It's satyr. Yeah. Um, and it's, satire. And I really, <laughs> I really enjoyed it. One of a class of lustful, mm. drunken woodland gods. Oh. And I was like, that's all I've ever wanted to be. Really. I work in woodland, by the way, so <laughs> I've met a, a few of those guys. But um, like, those are some <laughs> solid characteristics, uh, for sure. Oh my so, god. Yeah, so, so you know, Bacchus would show up. And he would release you from your problems. And he would release you from your problems with wine. And this is a huge trope in the world of classical painting. And that's where we're going with this today. Um, so let's switch over to Ginny. Let's talk about some some of the roots mm. of the Bacchanal. What is a Bacchanal? <laughs> let's talk about it. All right, so a bacchanal is, to be put quite plainly, is an occasion of drunken, raucous revelry. Um, So this immediately connects the god Bacchus, but before there was Bacchus, there was Dionysus. And so if you know um, even a little bit about Greek and Roman mythology, Greek mythology was kind of the... OG, right? So then (laughs) the Romans um, adopted a lot of this mythology and just gave the gods different names. Mm -hmm. Um, So it started out with Dionysus and and went into Bacchus. Um, So Bacchus was really this kind of, he was the god or I'm, I'm going to switch back and forth, actually, between Dionysus and Bacchus, and then we'll later just stick to Bacchus. They're the same dudes. Same same guy. Same guy. So Bacchus, Dionysus, is the god of the grape harvest, of winemaking, of partying, yeah. of fertility, and kind of this chaotic, like, just letting loose of, like, all inhibitions. My kind of god. Essentially, yeah. he's he's the chaotic good yeah. in the world. So, yes. like, for yeah. sure. Like, the necessary chaotic good. And the thing about Bacchus slash Dionysus is that he was the last god to be welcomed into Mount Olympus. And his mom was actually immortal. His dad was Zeus slash Jupiter, so, like, the main uh, dude. The, li- the lightning dude, you know. You know the one. Um, so, he kind of had this connection with, like, the everyday people. Because, like, oh, he's kind of one of us. But he's a god, and he likes to party. So you can see why he really connected with And people. everyone <laughs> likes a guy that likes to party. Yeah. Like, yeah. I mean, well, how could you not? I mean, that's everything you just said. That's the guy that I want to invite to, like, my party. <laughs> it's like, dude, Bacchus just rolled up with a keg. <laughs> It's about Dude, to get real. This is 100% off topic, but I saw <laughs> I saw um, this is on a, a documentary about Saturday Night Live. Um, <laughs> way off topic, okay. but stay with me here. Um, and they went into this whole thing. It was super interesting. It's about like Saturday Night Live and the history of Saturday Night Live. And they went into this whole thing about how um, Will Ferrell's um, kind of version of George W. Bush <laughs> is kind of the reason why George W. Bush got right. elected because yeah. everyone saw this this really goofy, funny, ridiculous dude that liked to have a good time in Will Ferrell's George Bush. They were like, they looked at him and they were like, that's a good, like, I think this is the exact quote from the documentary. They were like, that's a guy I'd like to have a drink with. And in the end, that ended up being our president. So, Will Ferrell, you done (laughs) fucked up, dude. So everybody likes someone that likes to have a good time. (laughs) No, it's very, very true. I mean, this is also 100% off topic, but I'm not even like a huge baseball fan, but my dad is. And he was just talking recently about um, Tim Lincecum, who used to be be a pitcher for the Giants, and he got busted for smoking weed. Um, like while he was driving back home to Washington or something. And for San Francisco fans, they were like, 
Jellicoe. <laughs> we love you. You're a great dude. No, it's a very San Francisco thing. <laughs> it is a to great. get busted. But it's over. also yeah, it's just like a human thing where you like people um, that like to have a good time. <laughs> Humans. We have a very particular genetic makeup, and uh, part of that makeup says that we want to get fucked up all the time. <laughs> apparently. So that's, apparently. No, that's, <laughs> that's just real, and we've been doing it since millennia, mm-hmm. and it's not going to stop anytime soon. So, the spirit of Bacchus is with us. Oh, it absolutely is. And I mean, you know, as early in ancient Greece, he began showing up in um, a lot of different art forms, primarily sculptures, but also, um, you know, designs in ancient Greek pottery. And he often showed up as a nude, somewhat androgynous figure. Um, and he had these followers, like one of them we talked, how do we say, satyr? Satyr. 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 It's Satyr. 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 Apologies. A Satyr, centaurs, and hermaphrodites. And these are all like his crew that just liked to party and traveled around with him. And so um, as we're moving into the ancient Roman period and Dionysus becomes Bacchus, um, Bacchic art can often be quite erotic. Oh, yes. intentionally shocking and there's certainly elements of seduction and kind of revelry of partying of you know this kind of gluttonous excess um and that really becomes per the course of bacchic art um and i i read a a really interesting book and, and we'll put this um on our website it's called ecstasy understanding the psychology of joy by Robert Johnson. I need to read that immediately. It's, it that was really so interesting. interesting. It was very interesting. So he he talks a lot about mythology, particularly relating to Bacchus and how, um, you know, when followers of Bacchus began developing and they, you know, these Bacchanal events took place. Getting drunk, what I mean, it was yes, it was partially about having a good time, but it was also directly linked to getting on like a higher plane. So getting into an, a higher reality that was closely connected to the gods. So in getting really fucking drunk <laughs> um, was a way of like paying tribute to Bacchus to being closer to Bacchus and therefore being closer um, to the rest of the gods and kind of breaking free of the restraints of mortal constriction. Um, and so that's where we really see this kind of Bacchanal start to take form as, yes, having a good time, but it's also pretty spiritually um, based. And uh, I have a couple poems that I can read. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, 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 then, and then I'll, I'll pass the torch. <laughs> so I found a couple poems. And, and so the thing about... Bacchus is that he he generally came with like a posse, right? Uh, he he wasn't. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he was with some centaurs. He's with some hermaphrodites. He's with some sa- satyrs. God, that word. It's, it's really it's hard satyr. Yeah, satyr. Satyr. I'm every time. It's gonna be hard. Okay. Bacchus would show up um, in a chariot. Being drawn by two cheetahs. Because why not? Because we all know that cheetah print is the most raunchy animal. (laughs) (laughs) Who doesn't want to show up at a party in cheetah print? I mean... (laughs) Like, can you think of a raunchier animal print? Maybe snakeskin, but not No, I'm going to go with cheetah print. Cheetah print. And, you know... I think it's because of Bacchus. Get out of here with the zebra stripes. (laughs) All right? (laughs) It's all about the cheetah. Yeah, we're gonna just we're gonna say that um, the people rocking the cheetah print. It's actually like a cultural statement there. It's, yeah, we're hearkening back to Bacchus. Yeah, what's going on? Absolutely, there. absolutely. Okay, so I found some poems um, from a, a particular instance of someone coming upon. A, so this is the myth of Ariadne. And are you going to talk about that more, Jen, or were you just going to talk about the painting? 
because I didn't actually look into the the, the actual myth that much. Okay. I can talk a little bit about the myth. You go ahead and and read some of that poetry. I'll read these poems and then Jen's going to elaborate. <laughs> It'll be great. Okay, so um, here we go. <clears throat> and as I sat over the light blue hills, there came a noise of revelers, the rills, into the wide stream came a purple hue. Twas Bacchus and his crew. The earnest trumpet spake and silver thrills from kissing cymbals made a merry din. Twas Bacchus and his kin. Like a moving vintage down they came, crowned with green leaves and faces all aflame. All madly dancing through the pleasant valley to scare thee melancholy. Whence came ye, merry damsels, whence came ye? So many and so many and such glee. Why have ye left your bowers desolate, your lutes and gentler fate? We follow Bacchus, Bacchus on the wing and conquering. Bacchus, young Bacchus, good or ill betide, we dance before him through kingdoms wide. Come hither, lady fair, and join be to our wild minstrelsy. I don't know if I said that last word right, but that's what it says. <laughs> I feel like I was reading Twas the Night Before Christmas. You were a little bit. You really were. I, had, I, was... I picked up on that vibe, for sure. <laughs> that was beautiful. Do we know if that was by Ovid? Was that Ovid? Um, was that Ovid? Did Ovid write that? <laughs> oh, excuse me. Was that Ovid? <laughs> <laughs> so one of the poems I found was by Euripides. Um, and then... This one, um, well, you know, we'll put this one on the website because yeah. I'm sorry because this is an article about Titian and Bacchus mm-hmm, paintings. Mm-hmm. So um, speaking in, of, in, we should talk about well, this okay, Bacchus yeah, painting. And in, in in that, um, okay, so the painting in question is Bacchus in Ariadne. 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 Yeah. Ariadne. I love that name. If I have a daughter, I want to name her that Ariadne. That is beautiful. I know. I think it's gorgeous. Uh, so it's a painting by Titian. And this work was um, the subject of several poems by such poets such as Catullus and Ovid. And it's considered one of Titian's greatest works. Um, so in the work, it's depicting the story of um, Ariadne who was left on the island of Noxos by her lover Theseus, who deserted her. Dick. That dog. (laughs) Um, His ship sails away to the far left of the work, and she's discovered on the shore by the god Bacchus. And Bacchus is leading a procession of revelers, as he does. And he is in his chariot. And his chariot is drawn by two cheetahs, of course. (laughs) And um, so in the painting, he's depicted in midair. He's leaping out of his chariot and he is going to protect Ariadne from the beasts. And the beasts are his beasts. So that's obviously like a pickup uh, like whole situation. They're like, oh no, young maiden, let me save you from my cheetahs. So anyway, um, he is obviously trying to trying to bang our young heroine. There are a couple other things happening in the painting. There in the sky above the figure of Ariadne is the star constellation of Corona Borealis, or the Northern Crown. And um, there's a significance here as Bacchus promises the entire sky to Ariadne, um, where she would then become the constellation of the Northern Crown. Damn. Isn't that lovely? That's Mm -hmm. very lovely. He falls in love with Ariadne on first sight, and he leaps from his chariot drawn by two cheetahs towards her. Ariadne had been abandoned on the Greek island of Naxos by Theseus. The picture shows her initial fear of Bacchus, but he raised her to heaven and turned her into a constellation represented by the stars above her head. That is from the National Gallery's website, by the way. It's lovely. It's just lovely. It's a beautiful work. Um, we're going to post it on the website. 
arthistorybabes.com. Um, by the way, <laughs> and um, we will make sure that you guys can check it out for yourselves because it's very beautiful. And this is just one of several amazing paintings of Bacchus. Bacchus so is just yeah. everyone wants to paint Bacchus. I mean, how I know. could you not? I Ultimate know. party, especially animal. Bacchus and Ariadne. Oh. Like, there's another one that Titian did of the two of them. And um, Bacchus has, like, a, a very particularly tiny penis, which was in vogue back then. Yeah, because big dicks were um, <laughs> barbaric. No, that's, that's real. They were, like, they were considered to be ogres. Oh. It, was, it was really ugly. If you had a big old, big old schlong, um, you were considered barbaric. People would say, put that thing away. <laughs> I don't want to see that huge cock. So, yeah, so um, Titian's painting, pretty um, seminal work of the Bacchanal, like a pretty important Bacchanalian painting. We'll have it on the website. You can check it out. Um, But, so we've been talking about the, essentially like the Greek history Mm -hmm. of the Bacchanal. Um, And what kind of like, like happened is, as you can imagine, these these festivals um they were problematic for some people they were like we don't want that we don't want people engaging in and drinking and gratuitous sex and all of this craziness and it, it very quickly turned into something um very what sort i'm looking for sort of like insidious yeah insidious know? is a great that's not the word i was thinking of but that's a great word mm-hmm. it became very quickly people started looking at Y'all are having too much fun. Yeah, there's something wrong with this here. And so then we have the um, government essentially getting in and kind of... In Roman times. Yes, in Roman times. So, yeah, um, let's let's transition into that. So, um, what became known as Bacchanalia um, were the Roman festivals of Bacchus. So, once again, Bacchus is the Roman equivalent of the god Dionysus. Um, so the Bacchanalia can be understood as a variation, um, of the Greek Dionysia, which was, which was just the Greek version of, um, this fest, these festivities in the name of Dionysus. Um, and they were very popular. They were popular and well-organized and they were mainly, um, popular in the southern Italian peninsula, which makes a lot of sense because that is where there would have been contact between Greek mm-hmm. and Roman yeah. um, civilizations. So Bacchanalia were associated with Rome's native cult of Liber, which is where we get the word libation. Um so, of course. Nice. Yeah. Nice. And um, so this, there's um, popular scholarship says that these festivities arrived in Rome around 200 BC. But like all mystery religions of the ancient world, there's very little known of the actual rites. So we depend on a guy named Livy. So Livy... Sometime, some 200 years after the initial um, introduction of Bacchanalia in Rome, offers a scandalized account of what the Bacchanalia (laughs) was. So modern scholarship is very skeptical of Livy and um, what he alleged to be these like frenzied parties for Bacchanalia. Um, but they can agree that Bacchanalia were typically um, hugely sexual. There was a lot of sex and promiscuity, and there was also a lot of violence. It was actually a, a violently sexual event. Not to get too deep into it, but, you know, trigger warning, it's safe to say that there was a lot of unconsensual sex happening. And... Um, and these sort of, uh, these parties, these Bacchanalias were, um, the subject of some, they were the subject 
of scrutiny by the Roman Senate. So the Senate became aware of Bacchanalia rights, and they said, oh, no, 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 this is, this is dangerous, they're, they're breaking all these laws under the guise of religion, and we can't allow this to happen. So there were some heavy reforms. Um, eventually there were rules that were instated into the Bacchanalia, um, such as there would be a ratio of men to women. So three women to two men. They considered it safer hmm. for there to be more women than men in hmm. these events. And also just like backtracking a little bit kind of on this whole consent, non-consensual stuff going on. Like it's interesting that the Bacchanal actually started as a strictly female event. Yeah. It was, it when it first like began, it was only female. Like, and then... And then we let the men in, and all hell broke loose. So, you know, modern scholarship suggests that there were many issues with Bacchanalia. So Bacchanalias were highlighting a moral panic among the Romans, who were very concerned about keeping their hegemony... Hegemony? Hegemony? Hegemony. Among their, not only their republic, which was soon to become an, an empire, but also their conquered territories. Rome was very much worried about, like, we need to keep everything chill. We need to keep it all under control. And this is very much an instance of out-of-control festivity. We yeah. need to curtail this immediately. Something else that was very problematic for the Romans was the fact that these Bacchanals were completely devoid of class distinctions. So plebeian classes as well as the highest classes could be intermingling at these events. They were sworn to secrecy at these events. You couldn't mm. say who you were. You couldn't um, you, you know, you, you couldn't call somebody else out. Interesting. I saw, you know, um... Senator so-and-so. So, yes, Senator What's-His-Face was at the Bacchanalia. Like, you, you couldn't do that. So that was also very problematic for the Romans who, um, historically were hugely interested in maintaining class distinctions. Eventually... The Bacchanal was the the subject of a reform known as the Senatus Consultum de Bacchanal Bacchanalibus. <laughs> I don't speak Latin, so excuse my terrible pronunciation, but this brought the Bacchanalia under the control of the Senate, and um, essentially there was now very... Um, restrictive rules over the Bacchanalia. And the Bacchanalia essentially at that point became a sign of degeneracy. Like yes. any type of Bacchanalian behavior was degenerate at that point. Yeah. And, and an interesting thing is that men were forbidden to be priests of, hmm. of Bacchus. So interesting. It, they considered it so threatening that for the Senate, they figured, we'll just have women be in charge of it. Because, hmm. you know, what can they fuck up, right? <laughs> They're just women. <laughs> so <laughs> that's what happened. Little did they know. No, no just, just kidding. But really, um, so that's really what happened with the Bacchanalia in Rome. Even though there were tons of reforms, the Bacchanalia persisted. And even though it is... It, it became associated as a sign of Roman degeneracy. For many, the Bacchanalia remained a very important part of life. Um, these festivals really did carry with them this idea of being able to disconnect from daily life and really just connect with Basic human drive, basic human instincts, which apparently are those of um, having a lot of sex and drinking a lot of wine. Right. Who would have thought? Um, so let's um, 
kind of get into a few images, just dive into some sure. of some of stuff. We have a couple of interesting. There are so many images oh, yeah. of the Bacchanals. It was, so many. It was hard to pick. Yeah. Bacchic art is a, a league within its own. And I looked into it and then I got tired. And, <laughs> and I stopped. Um. Well, one, of the, one of the most famous, um, which I think we've actually already used, like on some of our social media, is Caravaggio's Bacchus. Yeah. Where that's my favorite. Sweet baby Bacchus is holding his so seductive. He's seductively gazing at the viewer and holding his little like chalice of wine, and he's surrounded by fruits and flowers and things. Um, so that's a very a very well-known image of him that you may be familiar with and once again that'll be up on our website um but just a few other ones we found like we said we found the one with titian what was the one you found jenny of this 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 literally baby bacchus adorable baby bacchus Um, (laughs) i found this painting by um guido reni who is a 17th century baroque painter and we'll put this on the website as well because it's a delight um (laughs) It's a chubby baby Bacchus, and he's drinking, you know, like a hearty glug, glug, glug from a glass jug of wine, and then he is peeing at the same time, and then his little barrel of wine that he's leaning on is leaking wine, so um, it's kind of like this double stream of... (laughs) So there... There um, are connotations. Yeah, he's but so it's cute. Cool. Though. It's, it's green. He's got like a little grape wreath on his um on his head, and um, he has he's, a little wine gut. <laughs> he's definitely imbibing. That is yes. exactly what he's doing. It's super cute. Um, and then another one I found was um, let's see, from uh 1537, uh, Martin van Heemskerk triumphal procession of Bacchus and this is um I think it's an interesting one but like I said there's so many images of just like Bacchic celebrations but I really like this one um it kind of takes influence from like Roman sarcophagi and like friezes it's kind of got that same feeling but it's like a painting and just my favorite part of it I mean there's there's many, many individuals fully nude. Yeah. Um, but there's a there's a lot of interesting things going on in Spain. But my favorite, like the thing that stuck out to me immediately is there's this dude like right in the forefront kind of on like the left side of the painting and he's doing like a bridge, like a yoga bridge with like his, with his like right leg up in the air, just like getting it, just doing his... <laughs> I, I, <laughs> he's so amazing. Like, what is even happening? He's just, he's just doing his thing. He was like, "That's this is what I need to do right now." They caught him mid bat flip. Yeah, it's he's pretty. Doing, he's killing it, you guys. <laughs> he's killing it. I also, I think, I also like this painting, and I mean, I haven't looked enough into it, but it's like very multiracial. There's like all kinds of skin tones and stuff, just like having a good time together. When is this? And I think about? that's great. Uh, fifteen thirty-seven to fifteen thirty-eight. That's even more surprising. Yeah, than right. Multiple races. I know, it. right? I was like, hey, look at that. There's people of like all colors. That that's really great. Um, because that's. Isn't that what we all want? Just like all people to get together and yeah. have a Bacchic celebration. Yeah. <laughs> I'm down. Um, me too. But it's a really, it's a really interesting, and there's a lot more action going on in this painting. But but yeah, you, you should check it out just for Mr. Mr. Uh, backflip for sure. So I want to talk about one of my favorite Bacchus paintings. And that is the work by the Spanish painter Velasquez, known as the triumph of Bacchus, but it's also known as Los Borrachos, Mm. which means the drunk people, (laughs) (laughs) or just the drunks, um, however you may like to interpret it. But it is such a great work, you guys. (laughs) Oh my God. Isn't this like your background on multiple things? (laughs) (laughs) It's just so fun. Like, gosh, I just can't get over it. In, in, in the middle, um, highlighted Velasquez was known for his use of this very dramatic light. And um, so um, Bacchus is shown in highlight in the middle of the painting. Um, He's lighter than the rest of the people in the painting. 
And this was meant to not only highlight his divinity, but also to distinguish him from the common everyday folk that he is visiting in the work. So he is here among 17th century Spanish peasants. And they are having a great time. Um, they're all pretty rosy-cheeked. Um, and That's my, the sign. <laughs> yeah, and my favorite thing about this painting are these three men in the middle who are, they just look like they have seen you crossing their path. And they're saying, good friend, Come drink wine with yeah. us. It's like you just came into the party and they're like, hello. No, you'll see. Welcome. When you look at this painting, there's one right at the middle and he has a hat. <laughs> He's looking directly at you. And you have met this man at your local you dive bar. You know him. You have met him at your local dive bar. You have talked to him. You probably had a pretty good conversation. You probably did a shot or two with yeah, him. Yeah, most likely. He exists. He exists today. And that's what's so great about this painting is because you look right at it. You see this random ass dude right in the middle. And you're like, I have met that guy. And he's so friendly. And he, he looks is. so happy. And he just really wants you to come and drink this wine with him. And I love this painting for so many reasons, but my most favorite thing about it is the fact that Velasquez paints Bacchus as a man who shows up and brings wine to these hardworking peasants that are just everyday contemporary people that Velasquez would have seen on the street as a Spanish man in the 17th century mm -hmm. painting what are known today as bodegon um, style paintings, which mm -hmm. are paintings um, that draw from everyday life in the Spanish tradition. And what I love also about this painting is that Bacchus is shown as kind of like a pudgy guy. Yeah. <laughs> you know, he's got a little <laughs> bit of a gut and you can tell that he's a guy that kind of parties and, you know, <laughs> in his face even. Look at those like ruddy, plush his, lips. Yeah, yeah. His lips are plush. He's a young man <laughs> and he's got a ruddy complexion. He has the ruddy complexion of a man who drinks a lot of mm -hmm. wine. Yeah. Um, I could go on and on about this work, but I This won't. work is amazing. And, and one little like side note, if you you zoom in on like the um, glasses, the cups in this painting. What was common, especially during like the 17th century with wine glasses, people like to like fuck with people, I guess, because they'd have these really wide but shallow wine glasses. And the trick was that you would continue to drink and get very drunk, but you wouldn't spill your glass. Like that was the sign of like a true veteran drinker. Uh, that's evil. <laughs> and that, I know. I know. And meanwhile, like if you ever look at it was like the it was like the Baroque era or like I mean I guess this goes all the way but but it was like the classical like party foul yeah, like idea. Exactly. It's like if you don't spill anything, then you are really worth your salt. Yeah, like, and you are yeah. one of us. You guys, it literally looked like a saucer with yeah. a stem. Very yeah. wide and very Fair shallow. Meal. It would be very difficult. I don't think you could buy a wine glass like that. Now. No. I don't want to because I would spill that sober. No joke. Yeah. All right. Um so those are just a few of our our little our favorites um that you can check out. We're going to kind of move into what the bacchanal means in contemporary culture. And um, to do that, I'm actually going, as we mentioned before, we're having a little bit of a party right now, and we have kind of a, an in-house DJ who happens to be our, he also happens to be our own personal Bacchus. He has kept the art history babes in wine for like a very long time. He's yeah. just been pouring wine this whole time. He's just been, yeah. My glass has not been dry. I know, it's amazing. Um, but he also um, has experienced what is often known at least if you google if you just google like bacchanal you're gonna get a bunch of stuff about carnival in brazil which is really they rhyme and it's for a reason yeah. i guess so i'm gonna go <laughs> grab him because he knows about that i'll be right back okay you guys keep talking um yeah so modern day bacchanals i don't understand why we don't 
call our festivities bacchanals more often. We should. But I think it's something to bring back. I think so, too. And I encourage and you ba- listeners. And Bacchus is like a guy's guide god. Yeah. You know, he's just a friend. I encourage our <laughs> listeners to bring back the Bacchanal. Oh, we have our guest here. Oh, this is here. exciting. This okay. is our guest. So oh, our, here, I will now. let him sit in my seat for a second. All right. So this is our, like I said, our personal Bacchus right here. <laughs> Leo, who has experienced Carnival and can tell us a little bit about this very Bacchic celebration. It was very cool. <laughs> <laughs> it's so cool. What's it like? Like, what goes on at Carnival? It's just a good time all around. It's um, it's beautiful people and, and bright colors and wonderful music. And, of course, a lot of drinking and dancing. It's, um, you guys would love it, actually. <laughs> <laughs> is it debaucherous at all? Or is it just like good vibes? Like there is, a, there is a side to it, of course. But I mean, for the most part, it's it, it goes for, for a long time. It's many days. So you pace yourself and you just kind of enjoy the people you're around and the place that you're in. And we kind of go back to it like that, that primal state of where we're all equal and we're enjoying uh, this, this mass celebration. So there's there's usually very little, um, very little in the way of, of mm-hmm. hierarchy. It's just kind of this. That this sounds so great. We're all in the same place. Let's party and have a good time. Awesome! Oh, that sounds so wonderful. Leo, how many days would you say Carnival lasts? So in Brazil, at least the, the place we went into, which was like the, the interior of, of Brazil, which is kind of the place. I mean, we think in, in Brazil to go to like Rio, where all the big parades are, but that's definitely a one-off. Like in most places, um, Carnival is in kind of a rural area, a little town of a couple thousand people that get run over by fifty thousand people who are there to just have a good time. Awesome. Um, but probably like five days. Six hey, days. that sounds about Bacchanal. Yeah, it does. Do you get a lot of um, people from outside of Brazil? Like, is there a lot of, like, touristy vibes? Or is it really just kind of everyone melds together? You know, I was fortunate to, to see it in a very, like, authentic place. So I got to go to, to the, the rural part of, of Sao Paulo, actually. Or, I'm sorry, uh, of Mato Grosso, which is the um, center of Brazil. So I got to see it in a very authentic sense. But most people, obviously, again... Think of Brazil in, in Rio de Janeiro and that, that big, the floats and the big parties that you think of. Um, but of course, we're all trying to find like that little hidden gem, you know, off the beaten path. And the same thing goes with, with Carnival. Like you definitely want to try to find the, the true authentic celebration instead of what tourism has done to it. Leo, that sounds very sexy, and we are very glad that you are telling us about this story. <laughs> Thank you very much. Um, that I think that really, like, that's, I mean, that's definitely, I think, what the Bacchanal tried to to really, what sort I'm looking for? Invoke? Yeah, invoke it. That was the sense of the Bacchanal, so, like, I feel like it's it's alive in Brazil, but I think it's alive a lot of places. It, it can happen like, anywhere. It's, it's alive fun. here tonight, it folks. Is. <laughs> it, it can happen anywhere. Good people, you know, yeah. good wine, beautiful Aww, sunshine. Man, <laughs> I love this. <laughs> this is so well, cool. thank you. Thank, thank you. you. Thank, thank you, you so much. Our good friend Leo. Um, what a guy. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, um, yeah, so Brazil Carnival, that's a good contemporary example. I mean, there's there's different festivals. I mean, like festival culture is so big right now that you could easily kind of group that into the Bacchanalian spirit, I think. Yeah. But one particularly interesting manifestation of the Bacchanal, which Jen is going to talk about for a minute, is how um, Bacchanal is represented within, like, the kink community. So, Jen, if you'd like to... Yeah. So, a couple of things. We're on the West Coast over here. So, um, as someone who has been raised in um bay area california um sort of culture so Folsom street fair is a big thing here on the west coast those of you who might not be aware the Folsom street fair is the world's largest festival um celebrating kink and fetish 
community lifestyles. And um, I've been to the Folsom Street Fair every year for the last four years. Um, it's really fun. And as a result, I have made a lot of friends with people who are in the kink community. And um, so one of my good friends, who will be known as um, <laughs> Alex, he wants to be known <laughs> as Alex. Um, uh, he wanted to be known as Baron Hard. And uh, I said, no, my good friend, I will not refer to you as Baron Hard. You will be known as Alex. So Alex is a very good friend of mine. And um, Alex is somebody who's very active in the kink community. So a little background, kink really refers to pretty much anything outside the norm of what we consider to be like traditional sexual relations. Kink refers to people who have very specific fetishes and whose fetish lifestyle um, really shapes their lives. And this is it's actually like pretty, pretty huge. Um, the, the way that people, um, shape their lifestyles around their fetishes, um, which is a topic for a whole different podcast. But for now, we're going to talk about my friend Alex's experience at a modern day Bacchanal. So Alex went to a Bacchanal a couple of months ago. And at this Bacchanal, um, he experienced some of the traditional um, rites of Bacchanals that we have been discussing so far. So there was an orgy, there was a lot of promiscuity, a lot of sexual relations among people, um, a lot of drinking, um, basically a huge celebration, and there was a lot of sex and wine involved. But something that I felt was very interesting and I think really it does a good job of wrapping everything up for us here today is the issue of consent. So consent I feel has always been important but as of lately I think that um, it's kind of a hot button issue among a lot of conversations that are happening. Um, we are aware of some of the issues with consent that have occurred over the last couple of years. Mm -hmm. uh, most recently would be the issue of the Stanford student mm -hmm. who underwent yeah. the horrible um, sexual assault during a drunken party night. Mm -hmm. And there's a lot of issue there with how does one consent when you are in a situation where you're drinking a lot of alcohol and you might not be able to say for sure whether or not you consent to mm -hmm. sexual touching. And that's really murky territory. So in a situation like a Bacchanal, which is known for being a drunken party with a lot of sex, how do you negotiate the issue of consent? So my friend Alex was great about um, letting me know about these precautions that are being taken um, there's a lot of responsibility that comes into the modern day Bacchanal. So when you show up to a Bacchanal, you are required to fill out consent forms and the consent mm -hmm. forms have the rules mm -hmm. and the rules are no touching where there is not explicit consent, no sort of sexual, any kind of sexual interaction without clear consent is not allowed. If you are too intoxicated to give clear consent, you are moved away into an area where you need to like get your bearings, you need to drink some water, get your <laughs> shit together. You need to get your shit together. And and so, you know, how do you know? How do you know? So he told me about drink tickets. They have drink mm. tickets at these events. Mm -hmm. That's and smart. each person is allotted five drink tickets. And you don't get them all at once. You get them throughout the night. If you're too drunk, you need to sit out. And nobody can bring in outside alcohol. There is no outside mind-altering substances allowed you need to show up there with your own 
faculties, you must be sober and you show up and they give you your drink tickets and that's what you're allowed to do for the night. Everyone there needs to wear protection. Mm -hmm. Even if you are in a polyamorous relationship where you are fluid bonded with somebody, fluid bonded is the term in the poly community for the partner that you have, that you have sex with without barriers even if you are fluid bonded with somebody you may not partake in any sex without a condom or even dental dams for oral sex which is Dang. like i've never even seen a dental <laughs> dam so that's amazing yeah, I was like is that saran wrap <laughs> it's basically saran wrap um i know it's it, it's it, you know and i love they're they're covering their bases i know that's, yeah that's great Good you know what and i and i love that it is a safe sex best sex it's an event yeah. it's a safe sex event it is a event that is all about consensual sex and this is going miles away from our traditional bacchanalia, which, let's face it, <laughs> the Greeks and the Romans... They didn't even know. Were, they were doing a lot of unconsensual things. And so it's, it's very good to know that the spirit of the bacchanalia is alive and well today with very strictly defined um, mm -hmm. parameters of... Of consent, consent protection. and protection, yeah. and I am just really glad that Definitely. that's the case. That's, that's good to hear. That's yeah, really that's good to hear. Great. Like, I think there are a lot of things about bacchanals that are great, and um, I really value. But there, obviously, with changing times, there has to be um, kind of changing constraints or conceptions of things, and so that's good to hear that bacchanals now are like still in the spirit of a bacchanal yeah like people are being safe and responsible yeah. and respectful and i want to i want to i want to say thank you to my friend alex, thank you, alex. for giving me the scoop on the bacchanalia because the um the element of secrecy and anonymity has not faded over the last mm. 2000 years and yeah. therefore the Bacchanalia um, remains. You got an insider scoop. Uh, yeah, and you know <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> I know, I know that a lot of other shit went down that I don't know about, and um, and that's okay. And that's up to the imagination, you yeah. guys. Um, you you just make your own fantasy, okay? Um, so yeah, the general takeaway is um, embrace the spirit of Bacchus. Uh, drink that wine, have a good time. Yeah. But um, also, sex without consent isn't sex, it's rape. Yeah. So don't fucking do that shit either. And wear protection, you guys. Yeah. You because know, HPV is everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> is that what we're ending this episode on? We no, don't have to. I'm just saying. Do we, do we HPV <laughs> is everywhere? We'll, we'll end it on something better. Oh, a slightly more uplifting. <laughs> Do we know what we're doing for our next episode? We didn't oh, talk about Oh, we didn't this. even talk about it. Hey, because I have, have, idea. I have an idea. I was, okay, like, all right, let's, we're just going to talk this out live for you guys. My live. idea, and this is totally inspired by that quilt thing I saw, I think it'd be really cool to do color theory. Cool. Like, talk about, like, color theory shit, but what what's your idea? My idea is um, I really want to take you guys down the road of graphic novels mm -hmm. and comic book um culture and i would love to do an episode on my boy robert crumb who oh, yeah. is so problematic that'll and, get interesting oh he's just oh god yeah. do we want to do those in order should we I do don't know. well you know what what do you guys think or we could ask we can ask the boys out there like hey what sounds better Hey, yeah. go yeah. go get a vote. Go get a vote. What, color, so theory? color theory or graphic novels. So yeah. while Jenny's getting a vote, I would like to also open it up to our oh, listeners. Yeah. If anybody yes, wants sir. to leave a comment or an email, I would love to, A, have some of our listeners weigh in on our podcast. Um, B, if anyone's got any ideas for us, we would love to hear them. Love so it. Let they us know. They said color theory. Oh, oh did they? Nice. Okay. I thought they were yeah. Yeah, so boy. Um, but I mean, we'll do both of them regardless. But we'll we'll wait it out and hear from you guys too. 
but potentially our next episode's color theory. We're going to do them both, so don't worry about it. We'll talk about it. um, We'll talk it out. Um, But we would love to hear any... Hi, pup. um, We would love (laughs) to hear any feedback we can get from you guys. Like, anything you're interested in hearing, like, we would love to drink wine and talk about it. Like, this is a very (laughs) wide-open visual color podcast... Or visual color. Visual culture. (laughs) I'm drunk. I'm sorry. Um... (laughs) Not sorry. We're gonna go <laughs> jump in the pool. Yeah, yeah, immediately. Bacchus <laughs> is with us tonight. Um, yeah, yeah. This, this shit's silly. Um, Bacchus be calling. <laughs> but we, for real though, email us arthistorybabes at gmail.com. We'd love to hear, like, anything you want to hear, we will do an episode on it, I promise. Yeah, comment on our Twitter, comment <laughs> on our Instagram, comment on our Facebook. We got all that shit. We it's, got all that shit. It's everywhere, and we want to know what you guys want to hear. So let us know, Art History Babes. <laughs> That's who we are. We love you guys. Thank you so we, much for- We really do love you. <laughs> like, so much. Like, you don't even know. Like, we really do. We're actually, like, super excited right now because we just, we're only four episodes in. We just hit- like number two on our history pa- podcasts on iTunes. So that's yeah, really exciting. Yeah, you guys, if you um, search art history podcasts on iTunes, we are currently number two, which is super exciting. So if you go on iTunes today, subscribe to Art History Babes and rate us, you can help us be number one. Number one! We want to be number one, you guys. (laughs) Help us be number one. (laughs) (laughs) Anyways, uh, thanks for listening to this really silly episode. We hope you all are having an amazing 4th of July. We love you. We really do love you. Thank you so much. Art History Babes out. Out.